Jonathan Ruanika is the name. Welcome to Young Profesh. All right, here we go. Um, welcome to my very first podcast. Uh, this is really exciting for me because I've been uh, contemplating this idea of having a podcast that is lacking, right? So this is me finally executing, uh, focusing less on perfecting the podcast and trying to put my frame of mind in a zone of experimentation. I, 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 think, I think we'll come back to that at some point, if not today, at, uh, in some other podcast episode. Putting your frame of mind less on executing, but more on experimentation. So anyway... This podcast is just going to be uh, about highlighting what this podcast is about, uh, what are the issues that we'll be discussing, and more importantly, uh, just giving you like a brief of the man behind the mic, my, uh, what type of background exper- experience do I have, and um, how that could be helpful to you at some point. Okay, so... The idea of this podcast came from the fact that I don't think there are a lot of podcasts for young professionals in an African context. Not saying there aren't any, I'm pretty sure there are. I just haven't uh, heard a lot. So this idea of just like more information, when when I go on YouTube, the type of podcasts that I see are very non-African most of them are like based in the US and in the UK and you'll see that the issues are slightly different the opportunities are slightly different and I think the framing of what uh, you need to be considering uh, when you're making your career moves networking uh, building your personal brand can be more contextualized to an African context so this is why this podcast here Um, We're going to be discussing a wide range of issues, Um, so ideally I'll be bringing in uh, another individual, another person on every episode uh, from different career backgrounds, from uh, uh, different professional experiences to share a few things about experienced and what they think might be helpful for, for a young professional in South Africa, in Zambia, in Zimbabwe. Uh, wherever you might be across the African continent. Um, So an example of those issues will be things like how to network, right? I promise you it's still pretty vague for me. What I've learned uh, is is that networking at my level has proved to have the most fruitful relationships. I've noticed that um, when you walk into a room full of like CEOs and CFOs, it's it's very difficult for you to 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 stand out firstly and secondly to make an impression that is lasting for an individuals that that run multi billion dollar billion rand uh, companies. So my focus has been less on that and more about my peers. So if I go to a conference uh, of which I've had the pleasure of uh, the fortunes of uh, attending many. Uh, like the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants Young Leadership Summit, when I do, did the South American Business Forum, um, uh, at all those events, it's, it's because the events bring, bring together very 
exciting, very talented, high potential individuals, uh, you're more like it's more likely that when you're speaking to your peer there, you're speaking to like a future, uh, a future CEO, a future partner, a future head of something, an entrepreneur, a future entrepreneur, a future game changer, uh, and I've noticed that. But those are the most authentic relationships because you meet when you don't really have much to offer each other. Uh, so it's more authentic, you know. You, you just come together in this belief that you you all have this great potential. Uh, at some point, you're going to realize it. You stay in touch. You become friends. And then, lo, lo and behold, five years later, you hear, oh, one of your friends is a Schwarzman scholar. Um, I often look at my, my network of individuals uh, below the age of 30, and uh, I know individuals that have started great businesses, people that have been awarded the top scholarship programs in the world. Uh, I know individuals that have uh, worked in exciting projects. And it's what's interesting about all of those people is that I've met them before uh, they started uh, peaking. Anyway, and also another platform, maybe just on the, um, on the topic of networking, is uh, how we also underutilize LinkedIn. I think in first world countries, LinkedIn is, 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 is a big deal now. Like it's, it's utilized uh, efficiently and powerfully, uh, but not so much in, uh, like I said, Africa, where I'm from. Uh, you'll be shocked. Uh, I actually have a, an upcoming interview with a, a top private equity firm. And um, how I got that interview was purely by filtering for that company in the search bar. Uh, after filtering for that company, looking up for individuals that I might relate to, uh, I ended up finding a fellow chartered accountant as one of the employees inboxing her, asking her what her job is about, I've studied this, how do I pivot into your space and stuff like that, uh, ended up uh, uh, having us connecting and then her, her telling me that, you know what, we actually have a uh, job post open, send your CV. Uh, you'll, you'll find LinkedIn has a, a varied um, options in, in, in how you can effectively utilize it. Uh, I think for LinkedIn, it does help if you uh, are affiliated with uh, um, a reputable organization. For example, I trained as a chartered accountant with the big four. So on my LinkedIn profile, that is clear. Um, so I, I think other professionals find it very easy to relate to established brands. I think that's the one of the advantages of uh, going to a top school or uh, working for a top organization is that uh, at the very beginning of the conversation, uh, your personal brand is almost attached to your school's brand or to your organization's brand. And uh, that sort of helps you in some way at the, at the initial, at the initial. So um, I think we'll have one podcast where we speak about that, the power of the brand that's not even yours and like the school's brand and your organization brand and how you can actually utilize that going forward. Okay, so besides networking, we're going to also be talking about careers. Um, 
it's it's amazing hey that a lot of us actually make career decisions based on um uh salary so what makes the most money and which which is which is which is expected right especially in an african context where financial freedom is a big deal um so right now i'm um i'm working uh, i'm doing a short stint in australia and you'll the meet the lowest lowest wage years extremely high um a train operator gets paid a ton of money you know like when people do career choices here they really consider uh things like what will i be more compatible with what will i be good at uh because money is less of a differentiating factor than it will be like in a south africa where you find that uh usually the top talent uh trains as doctors lawyers or chartered accountants or as engineers because uh it's almost as if those are like your only options to financial freedom uh i think we should have we'll also have an episode of why that's problematic and um how to like redefine how we choose careers you know given those uh circumstances uh how can we navigate that career decision um and also uh we tend to do a lot of research you find that you're in school right now you're doing research for your assignment you're doing research you spend 4 years being taught how to research but when you make a career decision you don't research all the companies that have those positions you don't look for employees in that position you don't send emails to those employees asking oh how's how's a day in 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 your life look like what do you like about about your job um what are the things you don't like about your job you know when you make a career decision you need to ask yourself have you done the necessary research to really understand the career decision you're making often you find individuals leaving jobs after 6 to 8 months because that career pivot you're like oh investment banking sounds so sexy i want to do it and it makes a lot of money and then you pivot from i don't know maybe you're doing biochemical stuff and then you find yourself in a career you don't even like um just because you just haven't researched enough uh i think a career we we underestimate the power of finding out more before choosing a career often it's like this job will give me 50 uh 1000 more than the previous and hence it's justified for me to leave i think that's a very poor way of looking at, uh looking at it but I, i think there's an underlying culture there about just general career choices and how we choose careers and the effort we put in to ensuring that uh, a career move is right for us uh and we'll definitely have ep- episodes about that and bring in people that you know can speak to their different professions and maybe the different career choices that you didn't even know you had um i remember uh when i met my my girlfriend she's uh, she was a fashion designer and when she was in corporate she was a a buyer i did not know what that was <laughs> i did realize that the clothes we have in store the merchandise we have uh in in merchandise stores they are actually individuals doing the quantitative 
side of things, looking at trends, identifying new trends, and putting the products to the shelf. So uh, there's a whole lot of complicated, uh, complicated science to that, that people actually go to school and study and become buyers. It's, it's wild, eh? It's wild. So that's just an example of how uh, there's, when we speak of careers, it's more broader than you actually think. And then in general, we're going to be speaking a lot about information and access to information. I think that's important. Um, to give you an example, uh, I remember this, uh, I did my high school in Zimbabwe. And what was consistent in Zimbabwe is that whether you went to a good school or you went to a bad school, often the quality of the education remained the same. So like you'll still go to a, obviously education is a lot more wholesome than that. There are other things that may be, uh, but I'm just talking from an academic standpoint. You could go to a rural area and find uh, kids achieving amazing marks there regardless of their location. Uh, but often you find uh, when uh, after high school, it's only the, 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 the children from like private schools that end up getting scholarships to go study abroad and um, uh, stuff like that. And um, I was, I was, uh, me and a few friends were trying to think like, why is it like that? You know, because often these scholarships that they give African scholars are often need-based scholarships, you know, that, they, they, that have nothing to do with the fact that you went to a private school or not. It just came down for us to access to information. You'll find if you go to a private school in Zimbabwe, you'll have access to uh, the most, the best information, where to write your SATs, where are the scholarships. You probably have a former alumni from your high school that's probably studying there that can guide you through the process. I think that differentiating factor, especially in an example, in this example where education seems to be a constant, um, the differentiator becomes access to information. And this podcast hopefully will give individuals more information about the things that you can't Google, you know. Well, you probably can Google anything, but uh, maybe this will help you focus. Maybe you're a victim of there's too much information because that's the thing too, hey, just too much information out there. So that's what this podcast is going to be about. Um, so who am I and what has been my journey? Um, so I did, um, I studied accounting and finance at the University of the Free State in Bloemfontein, South Africa. Uh, after that, uh, I did three years of articles uh, under the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants because you need to do that in order to qualify as a chartered accountant. Uh, in my second year of articles, I applied for the Mandela Road Scholarship and I got a scholarship to do my master's in development finance at the University of Cape Town's Graduate School of Business. Um, and I think that, that those were pretty pivotal moments in my life because um, I was doing, uh, I was qualifying as a CA training in, in, in an industry that uh, I didn't feel like I was making an impact and I was desperately looking for options to pivot into things that I thought I could offer more value that could utilize my skill set a little bit better. Uh, so my master's in development finance uh, 
met, allowed me to uh, utilize my passion for finance because I like finance, I like economics, I like the, uh, business, uh, I, love, I love African economics, uh, allowed me to pair my passion for finance with my passion for problem-solving African problems. You know, try that contextualized problem-solving that co comes from that deep understanding of the African context that only an African can understand. Uh, so pairing that together gave me that, that degree. I was shocked that uh, such a degree existed, <laughs> but it did. And uh, spent two years there. I'm about to submit my thesis um, and hopefully graduate in, <laughs> in the next coming months. Um, but also more, more importantly, um, doing it via scholarship from the Mandela Rhodes Foundation was also a pivotal moment because beyond just giving me money to pay for that expensive master's degree that I'll never have been able to afford. I think it was, uh, it cost as much as my entire first year salary. <laughs> uh, it gave, gave me amazing leadership training. Um, so the Mandela Road Scholarship gives postgraduate scholarships to individuals that show uh, leadership, entrepreneurship, and service to others. And uh, I was exposed to scholars from across, across the African continent, um, Cameroon, Ghana, uh, Nigeria. Listen, any African country, I have a couch to, to sleep on. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, and just having that deeper understanding of the, how our problems are similar and how, as Africans, we are very similar and we have the same issues and we keep going through the same cycles. Like you have this one country that got independence 60 years ago, went through a cycle of events, land reform, same issues, same issues. And then 40 years later, you have a South Africa that is going through, that is recently, that got recently uh, independence in 94 then it's the same issues, land reform, integration of societies that were in, uh, usually uh, disintegrated. Um, obviously, apartheid was a more, I think, a more extreme form. Uh, but the similarity of issues across Africa, you'll find that everything you think is unique that's happening within your country, Malawi or uh, Botswana, has probably happened in another African country. It's completely insane how similar we are. Uh, and we actually don't see it <laughs> in most cases. But anyway, so the Mandela Rhodes Foundation gave me leadership training. Um, and uh, uh, that training of how to become just a more authentic person, an authentic leader. And I'll forever be grateful for, the, for, for that opportunity. So yeah, that's basically uh, my journey. Um, in university, I, I did a lot of debating. Um, I think I was in two national semifinals. Um, I don't remember now. I just remember that I didn't win anything. <laughs> um, I also was in the SRC at the University of the Free State. And um, that was a very enriching experience in and of itself. Um, but yeah, so basically, that's what this podcast is about. Uh, basically that's the person behind the mic and I hope in the next coming episodes we manage to share, listen, uh, 
if you have any ideas uh, that you want on uh, upcoming episodes, feel free to uh, email me on, on my contacts, uh, on the podcast info. And yeah, see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed the content, please, please subscribe. This is Jonathan Ruanika signing out.